Hello from the Clio Cloud Conference 2017 in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Patrick Pallas. I'm Kimberly Sanchez. I'm Steven Silberpack. I'm George Saharis. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining us on the road. It's a pleasure to be here in the Big Easy. Today we're going to talk about legal trends. Let me start here uh, with you, George. Can you tell us a little about how you got here? How is it that you are the master of legal trends today? (laughs) Sure. Well, it's, uh, it's been quite the journey. So I run a team back at Clio called Business Operations, where we've got a couple of data scientists. And a couple of years ago, we took a look around and thought, there's not a lot of really great data available to everyday lawyers to use in benchmarking themselves and in making decisions about how they're gonna run their practices. So we thought, hey, there are billions of dollars of billing information flowing through Clio every year. We could publish stats and all kinds of benchmarks that would be really informative to people we had to find the right way to do it. I think that this Legal Trends report is super, super exciting and I can't wait to delve into it. George, what do you do at Clio? I am our Vice President of Business Operations. Mm. We also have with us somebody else from Clio. Could you introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Steven. I'm the Senior Vice President of Sales at Clio. Me and George work really, really closely together. Huh. Now, one of the challenges with data, and every time I say the word data, I think it makes people cringe. But I have to tell you, after seeing the presentation from you today, George, there's a lot of sexy that goes with data. But let me ask you this, because there's some scary that comes with data too. And let's start here. How do you get this data? And do I have to feel like like Big Brother is watching me as a Clio user? I've been watching you for a long time. <laughs> See, I knew this. I knew but, it. But but not not collecting your data. No, that's a great question. So we use techniques called data anonymization and aggregation. So we do a big extraction. It's not connected to anything that identifies where our users are, and we never extract anything that's personally identifiable information, which is PII, or anything that is classified as information that belongs to our law firm's customers, so client information. Everything we've got is aggregated and anonymized, and people also have to opt in to be included into the report. Good. Well, I feel safer. So tell us a little bit about what you've done with this data and what you've seen that's been really exciting and interesting since last year. Well, as Patrick pointed out, we brought the sexy back again this year. (laughs) Really important when showing people data. We've done a lot of really cool things. So we published billable rates in all different kinds of ways and separated them by state, by practice area, by some cities, our top 10 metropolitan areas. Uh, We've also looked at law firm KPIs, so things that are good performance indicators in terms of the financial health of a law firm and how it's operating, and published them at big aggregate levels. What that enables people to do is to calculate their own performance and compare how are they doing? Are they in line with like industry-wide averages? Are they falling behind? Are they trending ahead? It's the first time that people have had this kind of benchmarking information available to know how they're doing in their law practice. So I know both Kim and I are both dying to dig into this data because it's a treasure trove of information I think people need. But Steve, I gotta ask you, so you have this data, what are you doing with it? How does this fit in for you? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, we, I'm a sales guy, I'm the business guy. I think about how do we add more value to our customers. I'm thinking about what can we deliver to them beyond kind of the clicks of our software to give them more value with what we were able to provide. And I think the Legal Trends Report has been for us 
the greatest thing we've done that's not an actual product. It has taken all of this information that we've been able to collect from our community, 150,000 strong, and pull it into usable format so they can actually make really key business decisions based on what they're doing and what their colleagues are doing for us and for me, this makes our product really easy to sell. We're delivering a whole new level of data to our customers and our customers' clients that's gonna really improve everything they do. That's how I think about it as the business guy and the guy who's trying to get more people to buy Clio. And this is something that Clio is like innovative for doing, correct? Does anybody else do this? Uh, you know, there's some folks who do it, but not in our industry. So there is a, a really interesting report that I'm actually gonna be speaking about called the Internet Trends Report, and it's kind of a widely viewed and highly anticipated report from somebody called Mary Meeker, who is kind of a legend in the internet business. I've been in it for a long time. And she delivers 350 plus slides every year talking about every nuance of the internet industry. We're gonna be that for legal. So there's this idea of data, yeah. and then there's actionable data. And can I just jump into that for a minute because George, you pushed out last year this incredible piece of information. I think everyone just kind of jaws dropped when we all found out that apparently in our busy practices where we work our, our butts off every day, that of that eight hour day, we're leaving six hours on the table unused. So let me ask you just two thoughts about that. First, tell me about this lost six hours. And Stephen, I, I gotta come back to you and say, what does that mean for us? Well, how is that actionable? Sure. Well, I'll jump in on the first part, Patrick. It's a really, really important point. And like you said, one of the, the real jaw droppers from last year that we had the opportunity to circle back on this year. We think that those six hours go missing for two reasons. One, people don't have enough clients to fill up their day and don't have enough work to be totally utilized to use all the time they have available to them. Or two, they have the clients they need, but they're not efficient enough in the way that they practice and are doing too many non-billable things like doing their own business development, like doing administrative tasks and running their own offices and many of the things that come with really running your own business, especially in the small practice side of things. And to be honest, what I found in this year's report was a little bit of both, right? A lot of people are falling into the category where both of those things are chewing up their time and making those six hours go missing. And what you're saying right now is so true and will resonate with everybody that's listening to this that has a small practice. So I think that it's really incredible that you have created this and pulled this all together. And so now what are we going to do with it? Right. I want to make my business work. So I'll jump in on this one. So George talked about thinking about your practice as a business. And I don't think enough lawyers, especially mm -hmm. those in small and medium-sized firms, think about their practices as businesses. They think about doing the great work in helping their clients, and that's the service they provide. But they're also running a business. They have to get more clients. They have to pay their bills and collect their money. And I think the insight that the Legal Trends Report has provided opens their eyes to the fact that whether they like it or not, they're business people too. And if you're going to be business people, you're going to have to deal with the same struggles that any business person deals with. How do I get more clients? How do I make more money? How do I become more efficient? Legal Trends Report, I think, opened our eyes to that. Clio can help solve those problems. That's what we as, as a company are working both sides of this, understanding we have technology to solve the problems, and now we have a much deeper understanding of what those problems are. Yeah, so the Legal Trends Report, we feel it, but you guys have actually put it down on paper, and now you're making us read it. We hope you read it. <laughs> so one of the statistics, George, that you, you talked about was the amount of time that lawyers are using 
not to practice law. And I say that, I mean, not writing briefs, not going to court, not doing depositions, not meeting with clients, that other's time. Tell me about that data. Yeah, it was really, really interesting to dive into that and get to learn a bit more because it was kind of the cliffhanger from last year, right? We ended the series on that episode, cliffhanger, and we had to circle back this year. And the single biggest thing lawyers are spending their time on is administrative work. So administrative tasks. The second biggest thing is doing their business development. So we saw them say around 33% of their time is going into business development. Another one that surprised us that was pretty high was actually spending around 16% of their time doing continuing legal education and licensing requirements. Kind of a required one and a bit different from the other categories. So we decided to zoom in on how can people get more business and how can people use their time better. And really, it's a story that comes together and is all about making more money. So for me, the part that excites me about that is that opportunity to grow their business. So if they're spending that much time trying to grow their business, adding more clients, there's lots of ways that we and kind of the technologies that are now able to work with Cleo can help them do that. Extend your reach, build referrals, use technology to help you get more customers so that less of that six hours is spent on non-billable time and more of it is spent on new clients that you found and those clients that can be viewed as profitable clients bringing you really profitable business. I just wonder if this doesn't like blueprint the new direction for lawyers. And, and for example, it seems like a lot of lawyers are trying to do it all, right? I mean, you're trying to do your marketing, you're trying to do your social media, you're trying to do your administrative work, you're trying to do your HR, you're trying to practice law. And what I'm hearing from these stats is you're down to what, something like 28% of your time actually practicing law. So I'd love to hear the feedback from you. Does this mean that lawyers really either need to start hiring out for someone else to do that work in their firm? Or does it mean that maybe it opens up that lawyers can choose what they really want to do? If I love marketing, I should just do marketing and hire other lawyers to practice law. I'm wondering as you're developing this trend, where you think the profession's gonna go and how lawyers are gonna respond to this incredible amount of data. Yeah, so I think I'll jump in first and then I'll let George take it, but an interesting part of the Legal Trends report was that a lot of these problems can be solved with technology. So it doesn't mean that lawyers have to go out and hire 10 people to perform the marketing function and the business development function and the billing function and the collection function and all the other things that are eating up their time. There's technology in many cases that can make them much more efficient, that can make them much more able to spend their time doing the things that actually get them paid right. and let technology take care of the stuff that doesn't. Um, George can certainly speak more to that, but our, our new platform, our app directly, there's lots of great stuff out there that's gonna allow them to spend more time doing the things that get them paid and leave the tedious stuff that's necessary to run a good business to the technology. Yeah, I totally agree with Steven on this one. And I had a little, I was guilty of having a little fun we with this agree. one today in my presentation. <laughs> I talked about how a lot of people say the robots are going to replace lawyers, right? Yes. I hear that all the time in legal. hear it all the time. Couldn't disagree more. I think robots are going to serve lawyers. And the way we're going to see that early on is in having technology, like Steven talked about, make all of these functions easier and more efficient so they can go back to focusing on, as Patrick pointed out, whatever they want to do. That's the transformation we're going to see in law. But I think part of what it's going to take is a bit of a culture shift in terms of the mindset that we see. Don't look at these as opportunities to lose, right? The 28% being this thing we need to be really negative about. Look at them as opportunities to do things you've never done before. The tools, the platform through Clio and its integration partners that Stephen mentioned, are bigger and better than they've ever been. And there's so much opportunity 
to get better at the stuff than we've ever been, and that's the direction we should head in. I, uh, I concluded by saying, data-driven lawyers eat robots for breakfast, and I think that's the, <laughs> that's the place we're headed. <laughs> it sounds like a t-shirt, I love it. So Cleo seems to be on the forefront of this, right? You realized you had all of this data that you could either do something with or not, and then you decided to do something with it, created this report, and like built on it every single time, and your own product has developed and developed, I think, new Clio, which I think Jack was here earlier talking a little bit about. So tell us why Clio decided to like invest in this kind of data report. Yeah, I can jump in on that one. For us, it was always about our mission. We're on a mission to transform the practice of law for good. We're the first company that's ever been in this situation in legal. No one's ever sat on this amount of data. No one's ever had access to this size of a database, right? Information's always been stored in paper files, in filing cabinets out there in the world, and this is the first time we've got all this stuff together in one place. For us, it was always about pursuing that mission. If we want to really actually transform the practice of law for good, we're going to have to look at the data trends in terms of how our customers are performing and look at those and ask ourselves, are we making them better? Are we building a product and an ecosystem around that product that makes them better? And that was the big, big mission for us. We also wanted to solve the issue where people didn't have the data at their disposal. People who were in the right mindset wanted to solve those problems. They wanted to fix the right things, but didn't know where to start. For instance, how do I get more clients? Well, where are the reliable data sources out there on how clients find you and want to find you and select you as a practitioner? Lots of insights on that in the Legal Trends Report, and that's exactly the mission we embarked on in publishing this data. And I think the one other thing to add to that is we also wanted to use this data to help us build a product that our customers really want. And our ability to understand what they're doing, what they're doing well, maybe what they're doing not so well, the gaps in how they run their law practices. We want to use this data to help us build a better product. And it serves that purpose as well as it serves just informing lawyers about how to think about efficiency in a different way. And that's been pretty game changing for us and it's game changing for this industry. So we talked about takeaways, action items, things that, that lawyers can do that come from this incredible body of data that you guys have put together. And I'm, and I'm wondering this in two parts. One, who's doing it right? Who are you seeing doing it right out there? And, and what is it that you can say now as you sit back on this mountain of data? What is it you can say to the solo and small practitioners about what they need to do? Uh, I think to the solos and smaller firms is you need to start thinking yourselves as business people as much as you are lawyers and start to understand all the things we've spoken about today that um, in order to be a successful growing practice and whatever growth means to you, it might not mean money necessarily, it might be doing good. Either way, in order to grow, um, think of yourselves as a business person so that you can make good decisions and accomplish whatever it is your goals are. I think. That's a great takeaway if you come away from this discussion. Totally agree with that and would add, if there's one thing, just if I had to take the whole Legal Trends report this year, I have one thing that I think anybody out there could, could take back to their practice and do better. The number one factor in the business world and keeping in this vein of thinking like business people, the clients take into account when they're selecting a vendor of any kind is how timely the response is. If they get a call back to an inquiry right away, there's one thing that legal in general we're observing doesn't do well enough. It's that rapid response to people when they inquire. They're used to having their Uber show up when they need it. They're used to having information at their disposal through Google and the you know, click of a button. 
They need that same level of responsiveness from a law firm. And I think anybody can set their mind to doing that a bit better, whether you're in a small firm and using technology, you're in a medium or larger size firm and you're improving your processes. That's what the customer wants when they're finding their law firm. That's what we should be doing. And I challenge us all to get better at doing that over the course of this year. But that's my big takeaway from the Legal Trends Report. I think that that's a good point, George. I think I have continued to hear the word customer and I hear that at Clio all the time. And customer is not a word that lawyers typically use because that is much more of like business versus like we typically talk about our clients. And I think that we have to be mindful and I appreciate that this um, report and the business development that Clio has done um, sort of forces us to think about not as clients, but as customers. Can you guys talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that one. Great question. I think the, the biggest mindset shift that takes place when you think of someone as a customer is thinking about them out of your context. So a client is just working with a law firm, but a customer buys goods and services from tons of different sources every day. I mentioned Uber earlier. That's the experience they're getting in working with their you know, rideshare program or, or getting a car to drive them. So a customer is buying stuff from there, they're buying stuff from you in the form of legal services in a very similar way and their expectations are being set by the experiences they're having in other spaces. And it's a little bit of a different way to think about it from just thinking of them as a legal client. And I think that's what the significance of customer as a term is to me. Yeah, and I think I can add one thing to that is we at Cleo think of our customers, but we also think of our customers, customers. And we're talking when we sell to law firms, but everything we do and every every uh, nuance we put into the product is we're thinking about how you, our customers, can deliver a better experience to your customers. Because ultimately, those are the ones that matter to us. But we do think of them as customers. They are consumers of the service that you provide. And the lawyers who buy Clio are consumers of the service that we provide and the data that we provide. So we really do hone in on it that way. So you really do help make this shift, right? I mean, lawyers have always been so lawyer-centric. Here's what I can offer you. Here are my services versus the consumer-centric side. How can I meet your needs? How can I give you what, what you want? It strikes me that Clio has taken that whole idea in a very big way and embraced it. Everything about this conference has been what Clio can do for us as lawyers and for our clients, for our consumers. I'm wondering where you take this to the next step. What's the trend, trend, right? <laughs> As we come back next year and we're talking about what consumer-centric means and what the data is so we can better serve in access to justice issues. You did it! Right? Or, or, or low bono work or greater efficiency <laughs> for lawyers to practice law using the data, using the trends, using the direction. Where are you sending us? Well, so people have more choice than ever and the ability to access that choice is, uh, the barriers to that ability to access a choice are essentially gone. Anybody can find anything they want with a couple of clicks and a quick search. So in order for you to stand out in your marketplace or in your specialty or in your law practice, you have to find ways to differentiate. And you need to use both technology and people and data to help you differentiate. If you're a small or solo firm, you need to find some way, some reason for people to want to come to you versus the other solo or small firm who might be in the next block or the next building. And that's how I always think about it. And 
George spoke about you know Uber and things like that. People want instant gratification. They want to know that they're going to get what they need when they need it and when they want it at a price they think is fair and they want options and technology has enabled that. So we want to help our customers and our customers' customers be more available and come up every time somebody comes looking for them. What I'd add to that is that the term we're using around Clio that we talk about every day and kind of this place to send us conceptually anyways, Patrick, is an effortless experience. There's a lot of friction in the process of someone becoming a law firm client today and those friction points often add up and prevent people from getting either access to justice or from retaining the services of a lawyer. And if we can mirror and learn from the best out there, we use the example of Amazon.com earlier today in the opening keynote for the conference here, I think there's this huge opportunity for the experiences to become more effortless. Online bookings, real-time updates on a case so people don't have to call and interrupt you to see what's going on. Credit card payments is like an easier way to accept payment and transactions from, from clients. Just a lot of opportunities to make that experience more effortless. Our job as a technology company is to make doing that stuff effortless for, for lawyers. And that's kind of where we're embarking together, I'd say, on a journey to, to get better. You know what I love about the Legal Trends Report is I am not a Clio user. And I think that that report is an incredible amount of knowledge for anybody that's not even using Clio. And I'm wondering if you have feedback from some of, you know, non-Clio users about the impact of that sort of report. Yeah, I've, I've got feedback and conversations from all different kinds of groups. And we see quite a few folks who don't use Clio actually participate in the surveys that we were able to, uh, to provide as well. So especially on the consumer survey side, but also on the law firm survey side, lots of insights from folks across the industry. Uh, a good example I can, that's coming to mind is we see a lot of law students who aren't in practice yet who can't actually afford or buy Clio until they get rolling, take a look at the report to inform them on things like, how much should I charge when I get up and running? Where do I want to go and practice and, and locate to? Uh, how am I going to structure the way I charge my clients? And how am I going to get my first few clients uh, when they read the report? And that among many, many other examples of non-Clio customers using the report for good value. And I think if you compare the Legal Trends Report with similar reports in other industries, somewhere like I spoke about earlier, you'll find common problems. Everybody's looking for more business. Everybody wants to become more efficient. Everybody's trying to figure out how technology can make them better. Everyone wants to be found. Everybody needs to respond to a marketplace that's changing. Um, those insights are good no matter what industry you're in. This strikes me by the fact that you've taken that first step to collect the data in ways that lawyers and law firms can't collected, at least we don't perceive that we can collect it. You've done it for us, taken that first step. But I wonder if inherently there's not an invitation that I'm hearing from both of you gentlemen, which is, and I'll just say it, data analytics is good. It's not scary. It's not terrible. Uh, it's not boring. And I'm wondering, if all that is true, is this an invitation for law firms to begin collecting data? Do we need these kind of analytics for our own firms in order to be efficient. So I'll jump in on that one. I'm actually going to give a talk later on in the conference about this and help remind people that almost everything in their lives today in their connected world that we live in is driven on data. Everything that they do, they are this constant source of data. If you wear a fitness tracker on you, you're sending your data back to the right. company that makes yes, that fitness yes, tracker yes. and they're telling not only what you're doing, how active you are, but in many cases where you are and where you're going. Our lives are built around data. We hope that we can use what we're doing and inspire people that data is good 
that you can create really meaningful insights that can affect every aspect of your life, not just your business life. And data for good is a great thing. So just taking the idea of an NPS score, a net promoter yeah. score, tell me how we can use that. Tell me how lawyers may use that single piece of data or, or whatever other kinds of data are out there. You had a couple of great like actionable takeaways, one of which was about the NPS score. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's a great place to start. So NPS or net promoter score is a metric that you calculate by asking your customers or your clients a simple question. How likely are you to recommend the service to a friend or colleague? And you ask that question at a zero to 10, and people who respond nine or 10 out of 10 are called promoters. What I talked about in the presentation today is easy and I think possible for everyone to say, anytime somebody gives me a nine or 10, let's send them to my review sites. Everybody complains about the reviews they get on places like Avo and other listings. But then if you can get your best customers to share their experience and start to get referrals and educate the world on what a great provider you are, that's a great start. And that's a data-driven, actionable takeaway. One of many in the report that I encourage everybody to go download and, and read, available from the Clio website. But those are examples that I think are approachable. They're not super fancy, artificial intelligence. Or The whole theme today was to try to make the data actionable to folks in an everyday way. And I think, I hope we, we got there really excited that we did. And yeah, I don't think that the report is scary or the data analytics are scary at all. And I'd say one thing that's truly unique about the analysis we do is it's built just with law firms in mind. There's lots of other data analysis and collection that takes place for everybody else in the world, but this is the only data analysis and report that's built thinking specifically about lawyers, for lawyers, and for law firms. So it's definitely worth a look. So don't be afraid of data. And Clio is holding your hand through all of that exciting change. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. So before we close it out for today, I have one last question for you. If our listeners would like to follow up, how can they reach you? I'll go first. Uh, easiest way, because my name is hard to spell, is go into the Clio website, clio.com. You can find George and I there and links to my LinkedIn page and other ways to get a hold of me or first name dot last name at Clio.com. Would love to hear from you. Would love your feedback. Yeah, similar for me uh, on Twitter pretty actively at George Saharis. Tricky last name, so I'll spell it P-S-I-H-A-R-I-S. You can also find me on the Clio website and feel free to look me up on LinkedIn or by email, which is again first name dot last name at Clio.com. Well, gentlemen, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. And I want to thank our guests for joining us today. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh -huh.